An insomniac office worker and a devil-may-care soap maker form an underground fight club that evolves into something much, much more. Welcome to Movie Time Machine, where we pick movies from the past and relive them in the present. This week, we travel back to the year 1999, the film Fight Club. Directed by David Fincher and starring Brad Pitt, Edward Norton, and it's based on the 1996 novel of the same name by Chuck Palahniuk. I'm your Time Machine host, Chad, and joining me today is Jamie, Casey, James, and Chris. Hello. Hello. Hey. How's it going? Hi. All right. First, let's kick it off. We'll go over some box office results, and um, after that, we'll get into our thoughts on the film. Then we'll finish it with... Um, our top three scenes of the movie. All right. Taking a look here at the box office for Fight Club, it looks like they had a budget of $63 million estimated. The opening weekend, uh, domestically, they ended up grossing $11 million. Uh, total gross domestic was 30, uh, $37 million, and worldwide was $101 million. <clears throat> they didn't do very well domestically. I think yeah, until the sure. DVD market hit, I'm guessing that's probably when this popped. Do you do people look at this like a like a Boondock Saints, where it was kind of like a cult classic, like it did really poorly in the box, like in the theaters, and then really kind of grow grew to prominence after it. If I remember correctly, it was just kind of marketed strange, like and nobody wanted to see a movie called Fight Club. Like I think that's kind of how it was, and the poster itself, if you remember, it was Brad Pitt with a big pink thing of soap. Like it was yeah. kind of kind of strange, if I right. remember. But I agree, the DVD market. I mean, it certainly was for me one of the first DVDs I purchased. A buddy of mine tried to give me Fight Club like a couple weeks ago, and was I think this is yours? I go no, because mine is in this packaging. And it was like the first packaging, <laughs> the new weird one. Yeah, Fight Club finished fifty fourth in domestic box office that well, year, ninety nine. Do you remember seeing trailers? Have you looked up trailers from this era now? They they were awful. awful. Trailers, I can't. It's hard to watch my hard to get. It's hard to get my wife to watch a movie that I'm in love with from from the 80s or 90s. I go, hey, let's watch this trailer, and we both watch it, and I go, oh, I liked that movie. They they're just awful. They they didn't do trailers really well. It wasn't until the 2000s that trailers actually, if they're not spoiling the entire plot right. of the movie, they're generally trying to be more interesting and right. get you to want to go to see them. Yeah, I just had that same feeling uh, a while ago when I watched the trailer for the original Matrix. Yeah, it <laughs> looks like it yeah. looks bad. Yeah. Oh, wait, you're going to cut this. There. Okay. All right, any other thoughts on films in 99? Well, why don't you talk to me a little bit about what other films came out in 99? Uh, let's start here. Number one was Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, mm. Mm. Which, I do, which is probably the best film of the prequels, which isn't saying much. It's not. Yeah, I would counter with clones. You think clones is the best of the prequels? I would also counter with clones. Yeah. Ooh, I don't know. There's a good detective movie in Clones. Yeah. I really don't like any of the prequels, but <laughs> it's like I think Clones answered a lot more questions to the ones that we would know as the originals. Yeah. I think like when Leia's talking about you were with my father in the Clone Wars and then all of a sudden like you're like what's a Clone War? And so <laughs> Literally, it's a war with clones. Yeah, I've seen Mind Clone blown. Wars, though. I've only seen The Phantom Menace like twice, I think. And I feel like I re remember more stuff from The Phantom Menace than the, the Clone or Attack of the Clones. And I've seen that movie like way more times. But wouldn't there be like more trump cards? Like, so you're saying it's a great detective movie, Jamie. And like now I almost want to go back and revisit it. It's been so long since I've seen it. But there's so many different things that every Star Wars person wanted that came in clones. Like, Yoda fighting with a lightsaber. What? Yeah. yeah, but they made him jump around like he was on a fucking pinwheel. Like, <laughs> if Yoda's supposed to be so powerful, he just would, like, force-pushing, like, fucking people. He wouldn't have to use a lightsaber. Uh, I mean, it only takes place 30 years before Empire. Like, he's and he's 900 fucking years old. Like, what's 30 years going to make? Anyway, uh, so we're going to... This is now a movie yeah. about Star Wars. <laughs> a podcast about okay. Star Wars. I was going to say, Chris, any thoughts? <laughs> okay, let's go back. Let's get back on track. Hold on. Speaking of, hold on. <laughs> speaking of movies that came out in 99, Chris's favorite, Varsity Blues. I do have a sweet spot for Varsity Blues. <laughs> I that would. movie is so funny. The Sixth Sense. 
was in 99 office space i would oh yeah i would say i was actually just talking to somebody the other day that i thought like it's a person at work i talked to about movies uh, from time to time hey did you see this did you see this and when i made a comment about the, the sixth sense being an m night movie and i said it's probably my one of my favorites and they're like oh he did that one i'm like isn't that the only one that people remember he did? <laughs> the village. Right. Right. I, and that was our argument. As I said, I really enjoyed the village. So the visit is I I I'd stand for the visit. I think he kind of brought it back with that one. Speaking of bringing it back, what other movies in '99? Cruel Intentions, The Ten Things I Hate About You. Oh. Okay, so this was good, like guilty pleasure Miramax time. Yeah. 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 Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged. Oh, me. there it is. The Green Mile was in '99. Oh. Was American Pie 99? Yep. South Park movie 99. <laughs> Deep Blue Sea, one of my favorite shark films. <laughs> Agreed. That's uh, Is that Samuel? No. Oh, yeah. Is that Samuel Jackson oh, yeah. in that one? Okay, that's awesome. The best scene in the film is Samuel Jackson. Is LL Cool J also in that oh, one? Oh, yes. Yeah, he's like the cook or something. It's the best <laughs> parrot revenge film you'll ever see. <sighs> Blair Witch came out that year. Uh. Does every like we can probably go into this for a while, but does everybody remember the Blair Witch? Like, what a phenomenal marketing that that had. Like, maybe the Fight Club people needed something similar to that. <laughs> no, that was awesome. Like, that was the, like yeah. it was like internet was in, really just becoming, I don't know, more profound, more computers in the home, everybody being common on it. Where that was all the marketing was for the most part. It was just that website, viral mic- mar- yeah, and it was the viral marketing where it was just like, hey, we found this car, we found this found footage. Like, I remember just doing all the research I can, like, tell me more. <laughs> Uh, which made it just so terrifying at the time. I that was the year I got my first PC. 99. I can't tell you with any certainty right now if there is or is not still some quasi half true story for the Blair Witch Project. Is that was that movie baked after some like folk stories in the area? Like honestly, the marketing was so good. I still the the line between reality and and fiction is still blurred in my head. I really can't tell you. What of that, if, if any of it was like based on people actually going missing and whatever, and then these right. stories came from it? Because that's how good the marketing was. It made you think that all those things were like real and really happening. That website's still up, by the way, for anyone who's curious. Whoever owns it is sustaining it. It's kind of fun. I took a look a year or two ago. Wow. Yeah, I just think just being a part of that just event and like going and see it. And I think at the time I was in. Yeah, 99. I was in California. So I think after I saw this, I think it's probably one of the nights where I ended up sleeping in a tent under a bridge <laughs> in the foothills of California. But that had to be awesome. Terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Any other insight, thoughts, or you want to add to the year in review for 1999? That was a pretty good year for movies, though. Yeah. Wild Wild West with Will Smith. Yeah, yeah I kind of had Desperado. Rough, rough Rider. No, you don't want none of that. Six gun in this. Oh. <laughs> uh chris uh i lent you a book did you ever get a chance to look at any of that book i haven't yet i uh, looked at the chapters what was the title again uh best movie year 1999 it was best dot uh, best period movie period year movie ever period and it's all about 99 and how it changed the industry and the first chapter is all about blair witch so i was just kind of curious um because there's a chapter on fight club and i was curious if you looked at it yeah. before okay all right Cool. That's 1999 review. So why don't we go around the table? We'll talk about the movie Fight Club. Give like our quick little review in the film. And let's start with Chris. Chris, you picked this movie. Yeah. Why? I I remember as a kid in high school really, really loving this movie. Did you pick this movie? I think I did. I think okay. you did. Yeah. Um, yeah. I remember in high school really, really loving this movie. Um, I thought like some of just again like some of the ideas and quotes and that was the first time i'd ever heard the idea of like single serving friend being used and i just loved it i was a big chuck palonic fan um as well who the uh, the individual who wrote the book um it was really interesting watching it again i feel like i didn't like it as much as i remember liking it i thought it was still a really good movie and a really good watch um but it, it didn't have the sustaining factor that i thought it would um, so it was really, really interesting to to kind of see that. But I think this movie is just really great. I'm a huge Edward Norton fan. I think he just does really great movies. 25th Hour, um, American History X. But yeah, I think I think the movie is just really cool. I think it's, I don't know. I think 
the more the movies that we've chosen for this podcast, one of the things that I feel like I'm seeing like a very common theme on is like just twists. And I feel like that is one of the things that I really enjoy in a movie is like, I feel like this is another movie that I didn't see that twist coming and I didn't recognize it. And like, after you see the movie the first time and you go back and you rewatch it and you rewatch it, like there are so many signs that I just didn't see um, on the first, on the very first watching. So I think that's really fun. I think the movie, um, for the most part, again, I didn't like it as much as I remembered. Um, but I still think it holds up really well. I think it's clever writing. Um, it's got a, a really good good cast as well. You know, Brad Pitt's in it, Edward Norton, um, Helena. Um, yeah, Bonham Carter, thank you. Um, they just got a really, yeah, a really unique take on it. So It's funny you say you didn't see the, the twist coming because I was actually looking up fun facts and you know how Brad Pitt splices, uh, sorry, Tyler didn't splices film cells into things. And I know that at certain points, uh, I remember seeing genitals, like if you, that he definitely flashes a dick at one point in the actual movie. Um, but if there are three places in the movie that they splice Brad Pitt in, yeah. and I don't remember seeing all three of them. I've only seen it the one. Yeah, so apparently the, there's three the, different the spots. Coffee machine. Yeah. And he, yep. Then there's one where Brad, Brad Pitt is. He's like in a TV commercial. I think it's oh. at one of the oh, self-help groups, and he's like he's like in like a white tux, and he's like on like the right hand side of the TV screen. Then the other one is, I don't remember, but yeah, there's like the three. But yeah, I didn't like that's that was kind of fun. Like this time going through and like catching those like signs as yeah. watch the movie. But see, I think it's actually interesting that you didn't notice it at first or whatever. Cause so in 99, I actually worked at a movie theater where there was still actually film to be put together in order to watch a movie at the theater, like in the projection room and everything. And, uh, so while watching fight club and I saw like the Brad Pitt thing in there, I thought I'm like, Oh my God, like the movie's going to burn out. And like, we're gonna have to like start this all over again. Cause we'd always have to watch the movies to make sure they would go well for guests. So whenever we put a mo- splice a movie together, make sure everything was going to run smooth. And like, I thought something was wrong with the film and whenever <laughs> I saw that. And then it would, of course, then afterwards putting it together, I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I, I love the movie. Um, the first time I saw it, I thought it was fantastic. And it actually got me to the point of like, I purchased the book to be like, how different is the book to this movie? And what in the book is such a fast read because it is, almost no different uh it's they take the narration of if you just pick just get edward norton's uh voice in your head and then you just rush through that book so fast because it's all the lines from the movie like they did as far as um adaptations go it's by far probably one of the best ones that i feel like i've seen or have been able to compare um personally uh but yeah otherwise i just love the scene um it was really when i think i started um it's, I think I, and I started looking at David Fincher as a director and going like now, even to this day, all right, what, what does he have coming out? And I'm like, and I want to see that movie, whether it was Gone Girl or Seven or whatever, just like I really wanted to dive deep because he tried, he gets kind of dark and it, and I feel like he picks his projects. He takes his time and is like, yep, this is the one I want. And so, uh, yeah. Zodiac. I, Zodiac. Even yeah. Mindhunter now too, which is not a movie, but like he's now said, I want to do something like like that, which is really cool too. Interesting. Cool. Thank you, James. <clears throat> yeah. Fight club, uh, fantastic film. Uh, I think like Chris, I watched this when I was in high school. So obviously at more of an impressionable age, um, I considered myself a little more of a re- rebel. Uh, so fight club obviously spoke to me like, yeah, anti-establishment anarchy, you know, when you're a punk teen and you <laughs> think you, you know anything about the world. Um, so that really resonated with me at the time, um, but that actually opened my mind to Chuck Palahniuk as as a writer, and I actually read a few of his other books before coming back to Fight Club, um, and so I, I read Fight Club, obviously, well after I'd seen the movie many times, and I, it's funny that you bring up the book, because I think it's one of the few books, um, and the few, sorry, book and movie combinations, where I think I prefer the movie. Um, the book is a really fast read, and maybe it's because I saw the movie first, Um but I think because it's almost the same thing, you get more out of the experience seeing it in film um, where you have to imagine less of it because it is almost shot for shot from the book. 
I would, sorry to piggyback off that. I would almost, ag- I'd probably agree with you because I did see the movie beforehand, and that's what made it so easy. Like I could visualize these, visualize these scenes. Uh, if you, if maybe we read this book before the movie, I'm kind of curious what that would look like, or would we be disappointed because we had such a different image of what was supposed to be happening? Uh, much like any book, we would do it that way. But uh, that is probably why it was such a fast read for me because I can visualize the whole bloody thing. Guys, correct me if I'm wrong, but doesn't the movie end differently than the book? Doesn't Tyler not survive his self-inflicted gunshot? I swear I remember that being in the book. No, I, I don't know that they show the buildings collapse. Or they talk about that they set all those bombs off, but I'm, I'm pretty sure he survives in the book as well. Okay, maybe that was the difference, was the blowing up of the... I was going to say, it's been some time, but I don't remember a significant difference in that way. But again, okay. we can fact check that later. Uh, yeah, I might be in my own head here too. So um, for me, I echo a lot of what everyone said already. I think I saw this first when I was in high school, rented a lot of movies, got into a big movie watching phase, and I, I loved it, blew my socks off. And like you guys, I read Polonic. I can't remember if it was before, during, or after. So I've read Survivor, Fight Club, and Haunted, which is one of my favorite books of all time. And it's a little different. It's short stories. I would recommend that to anyone who hasn't read it. Um, but I, it was fun to watch it now because it wasn't, I still loved it, but it was different. Like the scene where his manager walks in and he's talking to him about finding the rules on the copier. And he's like, now put yourself in a managerial frame of mind here. What would you do? And I'm like, (laughs) yeah, you know, like he's not wrong. (laughs) You know, like even while Tyler's on his mission to save the world, that guy's still a manager in his world. You know, he's, he's not wrong. So um, I don't know. It was just funny stuff like that kind of stood out to me more on this watch. But I think still I, my favorite at the end is best thing about Polonic is I'm uncomfortable and it brings something out of me. Um, and I, I think that's good. I think it's helpful to kind of push yourself in that way. But it, ultimately, at the end, too, it's it's a love story. And I think that's great with Marla. Like these are just two completely batshit people. But at the end, they end up together as the world's falling apart. So that's pretty cool. I was thinking in this time, last time watching it, like, is Marla even real? I think she'd There's, have to be right because after he purges himself of Tyler, she's still there with him. That's true. Yeah. And, and there was, she, there's like moments early in the movie, just like how it, she is like weaving through the traffic, and like that part where um, where they go to the laundromat, she takes like the clothes out of the dryer, then brings them to like the thrift shop to sell them. Then she leaves again and she walks out in the middle of the street and she just turns around and just something about how that scene was. I mean, again, you've read the book. My, it just seems like how it's how it was in the movie that. I see the picture you're painting. Yeah, it's actually it, it draws a fun question. Uh, I guess like you have to think about after seeing the movie and watching it again, you think about all your interactions with Tyler or lack of interactions that other people have with Tyler. I think more people do have interactions with Marla. Uh, that are part of the group, but I, maybe yeah. I'm wrong on that. But like, because uh, some of like I don't want to say henchmen, but <laughs> part of the Fight Club, like they, I feel like they interact with her uh, to some extent. Um, yeah, they are like henchmen. They would be like great Batman villains, <laughs> you know. Like, <laughs> but well, and that's actually interesting um, that you mentioned that they they you don't remember them interacting with Tyler a lot because I think that was one of the things that I really enjoyed throughout the movie is once you know you know, obviously they're the same person. When you rewatch it, there are some scenes where they either change who is who and you don't even realize it. Um, and there are some scenes where obviously Tyler's in charge and and Jack is taking a back seat and observing these actions and vice versa. Uh, specifically the the car scene where he's arguing with himself, right, with the henchman in the back. Um I believe Tyler's driving the car. Mm-hmm. They crash yeah. it. He gets out of the passenger side to go pull Jack out of the driver's seat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you don't even realize that at the time. And then you kind of put, I, I think that's a clever way to, to foreshadow that a little bit um, going into it is those little subtle switches where you don't really realize it at first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, this is a movie when I first saw it. Um, I did not see it in a theater, did see it on home video at the time. And I just remember being like blown away. And it was like the twist at the end. And, um, just be like, holy fuck! And I don't, I don't know if I've really watched this movie all the way through since that first viewing. And um, to be honest, I had, I had a harder time getting through this film like a second time. Like, I think maybe 
part of it is like knowing what that twist was, but just a lot of like the machismo masculinity and like I just wasn't pulled in as much as I was like the first time. And I'm obviously like, you know, a very different person than I was. Like I was, you know, what, 22 maybe the first time I watched this. But um, my favorite part of this film, though, is what why I still love it is just like the whole the theme of like consumerism and this like how it's just we're all kind of just pawns. And there's some great quotes that like you get from Tyler Durden, like throughout the movie, like um, advertising has us chasing cars and clothes, like, working jobs we hate so we can buy shit we don't need. <laughs> Yeah, like the things you own end up owning you. And like now that we've lost everything, we are free to do everything kind of thing. But yeah, I mean, but again, I was like, I had like sat down like multiple times to try to watch this. And I was just like, uh, it just wasn't catches my attention as much. But I really, really love the themes. I just don't know. Maybe it's just timing. But was it was it the fact that when they're on the bus and they see the Gucci ad in the underwear? Brad Pitt says jokingly to Ed Norton, is that what a fucking man looks like? It's like, you're Brad Pitt. Right, Fuck I you. know, right? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> well, I remember I think he called it like masturbation too, but then like you look at him with his shirt off and he's fucking ripped. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. Like, what? Right. That's and, actually a funny scene to bring up because the whole point of Tyler Durden, right, is is who Jack wishes he could be. You know, he's stuck in this consumeristic world, you know, shopping for furniture out of catalogs and furnishing, yeah, all that stuff. So, so Tyler Durden is the epitome of the anti-him, who he wishes he could be. Yeah. So even the anti-him comments about the people he hates because he doesn't have a body like that, but then he still envisions his anti-self as that same this exact thing that he hated. Super ripped, beautiful man. Yeah, and then he, and then he imagines him, his own meta person, commenting about him. It's just a really funny circular joke. Yeah. I did get the book ending, if if you want to know the difference. In the book, uh, he when he shoots himself, he... The whole point was the bo- the building was supposed to go off. It doesn't even go off. So it, like Tyler fails, he shoots himself, but then he wakes up in the hospital, and one of the like nurse staff walks up and says, "We're excited to have you back soon, sir." So like he got rid of Tyler, but he still is the leader of the anarchy. So it's kind of a more grim ending than the movie. In the book, I don't think he ends up with Marla at the end of the book. I think he actually does send her away in the bus, like he does in the in the film, and she doesn't come back at the end. Yeah, watching the second time, like um, now today, like just like the buildings, you know, going down, like in that end scene with like the pixies playing, it was like a really cool scene. But it's kind of eerie too with those buildings, like the Trade Center, and like yep. just kind of like a weird, like you know, knowing what's going to happen a couple of years after this film comes out. But that just kind of caught my eye, and um. Just some comments I left here with that uh, Meatloaf would have made a great Olaf for Frozen instead of Gad. <laughs> Hold on. That was a takeaway you took from Fight Club. Yeah. <laughs> man, yeah. you, man, you have become yeah. a dad. <laughs> um, no, I was just looking through some of the quotes I wrote down here, too. Um, a really funny one I thought was, uh, sticking chicken feathers up your butt does not make you a chicken. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think this movie had a lot of like really great quotes, and I think that um, there's a lot of like, yeah, I mean whether it's the the you know anti-consumerism quotes or whether it's like I don't know like, and we'll we'll get to this, and I I guess I'll kind of foreshadow here, but one of the the things that always stuck with me was um, the entire like process in like the recall process scene. Um, in like the entire conversation of like, if like you take, you take this formula and if A times B times C is less than the t- cost of a total recall, then we don't do a recall. <laughs> like, the woman's like, Oh, what, you, what, 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 what company do you work for? <laughs> a major one. <laughs> All right. Should we go around and talk about our favorite scenes? Yeah. Sure. You, yes. You want to you want to kick this off, Casey? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely, I do. So, uh, for my third favorite scene, uh, it kind of just ties into also why uh, I I love David Fincher's uh, as a director so much. Is um, my third favorite scene is the scene when he's going through his IKEA furniture apartment, um, and just the way that he's speaking through it, walking through there. It's like the cinematography of that whole shot. Um, combined with kind of the CGI for it. it it's a very 
uh, Fincher-esque thing, especially in that movie, they do a kind of a lot of those uh, just positions of some CGI graphics too. Uh, so I think that's just one of my, that's my third favorite scene just because I love the way that he did that. And I thought it was a really fresh way to kind of illustrate the point he was making um, through that monologue. Uh, James? Um, I'd say, yeah, so if we were going in order on certain things, uh, I would say my third favorite scene is just when uh, he's talking to Marla at the phone at the end and he's kind of putting it all together and Marla calls him Tyler uh, for the first time. He's like, wait, what did you say? And Tyler Durden, Tyler Durden. And then he's just like looking at receipts, looking at these phone bills and all this other stuff that's going on. And he's like slowly but surely trying to figure out what is really going on. Um, I just like, I, I think that's like one where even at the time, like he's figuring it out, he's trying to figure out what's going on, but also as an audience, we're kind of trying to like we ever like we're starting to get there or even not like coming up to our own conclusions of what's happening like so did he bail on him did he frame him like what or like he is him like what are we feeling at that moment um i just thought that was a fun scene like because it, it was fun for the audience as well as like what's happening in the movie and so it was like everyone's confused All right thank you third favorite scene third favorite scene was um there's a scene where uh Tyler Durden, like he just goes like, "Wait, right now, I need you to go out and start a fight with a random person and lose." Because oh. <laughs> it's like the guy out in front of the shop, like watering, like with a hose or whatever, yeah. and he just like spray, spray, spray people as they walk by. It's just like that whole scene. I think that ends with like the the Jack smirking revenge scene. I think I think it kind of leads into that. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, uh, I just kind of like that whole little kind of montage there. I think you're missing like Meatloaf's one of his greater scenes as well, like chasing the guy on a bike. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. In the middle of yes, a park or whatever yes. it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I love all that. Jamie, okay, um, mine third favorite is just kind of when um, I and I don't have specifics because I don't remember it, but when Marla and Tyler are. Um, trying to hash it out in trade meetings. Just uh, this is what Polonic does so well. He just takes something. So the fact that they're there is fucked up in the first place, but they've accepted it and moved on. We've accepted it as the audience and moved on. And now they have just this negotiation as the, you know, who's going to testicular cancer. Well, technically I should go because you still have your balls. So just that whole exchange of them, you know, I get cancer. No, you get sickle cell. That just always, always makes me laugh in the darkest humor sense of way you know the thing I, I like about that scene it because it's almost it almost rolls like it's like a classic um argument between it's like a lover's quarrel or something it's just because i watched that scene like just on like mute and just like it seemed like it's something almost like out of like a classic like uh like 50s film or something and just like following them through like all this like nonsense of like oh who's gonna who's gonna take the pity party for whatever for these meetings but i see what you're saying because yeah. like if we're it kind of feels like okay hey you gotta take the kids to soccer practice i can't yeah. because i have a meeting yeah. and be like okay well if we move the meeting to 6 30 then yep i can make dinner like there is yeah. so casual yeah. banter yeah and it's like totally like classic it's like that polonic cadence in all the stories which i really love but anyway chris all right so my number three um, again, I'm not a huge fan of gore in films, but I don't know why this has always just kind of stuck out to me, but it is when, um, they are doing the fight club, they're underneath the bar and the owner of the bar comes in and that entire scene where he starts kicking the shit out of Lou. Tyler. Yeah. Lou starts kicking the shit out of Tyler and he just like laughs at him and continues to laugh and continues to get beat up, beat up. And then the end of kind of that scene is like he is able to win back this space because he like ends up kind of going crazy. Well, he's already going crazy, but like starts like kind of spilling his blood on the guy and like talking about like, you don't know where I am or what I've, where I've been or what I have and all these kind of things. And he's just doing this, like he's just being so manipulative that he's able to then like get this back. And to me, it just continued to show like how far, um, that character is willing to go to keep this. And like, I look at that and he's, he has that entire group there. Like there's basically two guys, one guy with, uh, with the owners, like basically Lou who owns the the club and then his kind of henchman that comes with a gun. And there's maybe 20 plus people, 
um, that are part of the fight club there. And, and Tyler just waves him off and takes it and still is able to do it. I don't know why that scene has just always stuck with me. When it's got that Brad Pitt, like just primal guttural laugh. I don't think he does that in any other movie. Like, I think it's the only movie where, you know, actors have their tricks or things they use, but whatever laugh he's doing there is really effective. Uh, I'd agree. Cause actually now that you bring that scene up and watching fight club more recently, and then now we have the Joker coming out, uh, this Friday in theaters. Uh, but it's interesting. Like, yeah, I'm, I, sometimes I like watching movies like that where I think, okay, so what if we put this in like a different perspective? Like, what if DC got a hold of Fight Club script, bought that rights, and then just was like flipped it to a Joker movie? Like, this was <laughs> this is how the Joker cool. came about. Like, by the end of Fight Club, how, how is that not exactly what happened? He's now got all of the henchmen. <laughs> he just needs the that's hate. brilliant. Yeah, that's oh, really God. interesting. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. And then you got Brad. Pitt. <laughs> Wow. I don't know. The story was there all this time. Yeah, I'm just thinking like that. But I just, yeah, certain movies like that, I read that um, it was Cloverfield, like the sequel that Cloverfield wrote. And it was, uh, that's what it was, is it was a script called like The Cellar. And then J.J. Abrams got a hold of it, like the script, and was like, what if we brought Cloverfield back and we just did it in this way? And so I, I like it leads me to think on things like that, like older movies like or newer ones. Like was that the one with John Goodman? Yes. God, I love that. And I like that, that one. really good. Yeah. I never saw the first Cloverfield, but... And well, then that's the thing. It's so different, and yeah. it's just like... It's a movie that's like a crazy movie, and like I almost wish they didn't title it that, but I think maybe it made people like being like, well, where are the monsters? Because uh, the whole time, I'm like, is this real? Is this not? We know it's real from the other... What's going on? Yeah. Now it's this whole new universe. Um, but it just chose, it just led me to look at it a little differently. And I yeah, thanks for bringing that scene up. I kind of forgot the, about that thought process. Yeah, so my second favorite scene, uh, and I think we already kind of mentioned it, but it is uh, the first meeting of Tyler and Jack on the flight talking about uh, single-serving friends, but specifically I like when he asks if he's an ass or a crotch man. Because now, forever <laughs> through my life, whenever I have to pass someone in a row, that happens in my head. I think, well, hold on. Am I, am I going to give them the ass or the crotch? I also <laughs> really like, uh, as part of that scene, where he asks like, um, something about like, How's that working out for you being clever? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why. Right. I just thought that was such a yeah, great, right. like, one Great, <laughs> salty way to say it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just uh, thinking over both of those. Uh, it's just reminding me, like, there's a lot of things in here that, like, like I think, yeah, a question of etiquette as I'm passing somebody. I still do. I also do that mm-hmm. uh, to this day. And then also... Like, oh no, I get it. It's very clever. How's that? How's that working for you? Like, I uh, again, I like, I probably said that to somebody at work this week. Like, and I was just like, something I don't think about now. It's just a part of my language when I'm doing. There are so many wonderful lines. There's a lot of great one-liners. Um, I think uh, for me, then also, uh, the second major speech in Fight Club, uh, or when they're actually in the Fight Club, like when people are talking about Fight Club and like, what do we go back to? But um, just kind of what we already kind of established in the beginning with advertising when he's talking about, um, uh, lost it here, but it was just, uh, the, Hey, like, you know, this is the strongest I've ever seen it. Like, and you know, advertisers want you to buy cars and khakis and all this kind of stuff and just kind of going down the line and uh, just saying that you're not important. And just that whole like montage, um, before they really get into their, new new goals and tasks they need to get into in Fight Club. I just think it's a really, really cool and powerful um, scene. Uh, Brad Pitt just kind of runs the room at that point. All right. Uh, for me, my number two, and I, I talked about this a little earlier, but I really love the the recall, like, montage or kind of vignette where he's going through and he's <clears throat> there. He's talking about it on the plane, but it's going back to these, like, flashbacks of him in the moment and looking over the... Um, looking over the cars and then like even one of the things that that always stood out to me in that little um, scene is the fact that like the people like the police officers and the people that are part of like the crime scene unit are like making jokes about it and like like totally desensitized yeah like 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 there it doesn't mean anything to them and like it just it's crazy to me because the entire idea is like well, we're using this as like a very logical like formula. We have a formula that we follow. So like they're taking out all the emotion of it. Um, these crime scene investigators who are like doing this and looking it over have taken all the emotion out of it. And it's just such an eerie scene to me. And when I hear that scene, I absolutely believe that like risk assessment is something that all organizations and companies do. And when I think about that and I think about like the true like 
at the core what this film is about, you know, again, like kind of propagating and pushing these these anti-capitalist, anti, you know, kind of anarchy, vigilante um, motives. It's just a really like unique scene to think about that and think about like what he does. And then as his character begins to turn and become Tyler, like what he's fighting against is who he actually is. And I think we, t- we saw that with the scene um, that you were talking about with like, as they go through like all of his Ikea like purchases and his apartment and stuff. And I, I love it. All right. Uh, my number two is uh, just like the whole scene where like he just shouts out the rules of fight club. I think that's just one of the things that I've kind of like stuck with me. And it's probably like the most like famous lines or iconic lines from this movie. And maybe with like Brad Pitt at this time. So, but yeah. Nice. Much to add to that. Nice. Um, I think my well, I just wanted to give a quick shout out too. I don't know what it is, but forever the opening music of this movie has always pulled me right in. I don't know. I don't know who it, who does it, but every time that song comes on, you know, start moving my head, dancing a little bit. I don't know what it is. Love that song. Um, but mine is his name is Robert Paulson. That one. Oh yeah. <laughs> that like one. The chant. Yep. Yeah. The chant when they bring him in, lay him on the table, and talk about burying him in the garden, and it's just like the horrible like upside down verse of spartacus you know it's like <laughs> they learn the opposite lesson from that and just yeah it's just so darkly humorous and hilarious i i think even one of the grunts says no i understand completely in death he gains his name or whatever it is and it's like completely missing the point but he's a perfect soldier and yeah i just i love that scene so Chad, you mentioned the the rules of Fight Club. That's p- probably one of the most iconic things we hear now. Is obviously anytime someone runs down a list of rules, rule number one is don't talk about it. Um, so that that'll always stick. And for some reason, his name is Robert Paulson. Is just always in my head. Um, if anyone, especially if someone goes, "Oh, what's his name?" His name is Robert Paulson. <laughs> so that's two of those things, just iconic, stuck in my head for life. Uh, my f- my number one favorite scene, uh, and there was a lot of. Back and forth. I mean, you could argue the 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 self the solo fight scene in the office is pretty fantastic. Some of the other fight scenes himself. Um, I almost uh, honorable mention. I almost went with the scene where he completely demolishes Jared Leto's face um, because <laughs> it's the point in the movie that I actually feel physically like grossed out. Um, just because I'm not I'm not into violence. I don't like violence. Uh, I usually don't like violent movies, which is funny that I like this movie. Um, but then that's just so over the top and just vicious it just it makes your stomach hurt uh, but my actual big uh top scene from fight club and it's mostly because of when i saw this movie and what stuck with me was the ending um getting the whole explainer of uh, after you've kind of had the revelation of who they are and that they're the same person and um jack keeps going further and further trying to stop all these plots and as he's untangling all these strings it just gets more and more complicated um and i just love that crescendo to finally he, he's in the building on the top with tyler um, and that whole, uh, the cinematography of when he shoots himself and it kind of goes in that slow motion, uh, weird C, you know, uh, CGI view where the bullets coming out the side of him and all that. And then just the final ending, holding hands, watching the buildings fall while where's my mind. One of the greatest Pixies songs, um, plays in the background. Mm-hmm. It's just such a, a perfect bow on, on that ride. Yeah. You up. All right. Well, I couldn't have said that better. Uh, <laughs> earlier when I was trying to find the words with my second favorite one about the second scene, uh, was something I just didn't leave it or get in there, uh, was uh, one of the quotes when he's saying that huge long um, montage was like, he's like, we have, or uh, we're the middlemen or middle children of history, man. No purpose or place. We have no great war. We have no great depression. Our great war is a spiritual war. Our great depression is our lives. Like, I just thought that was kind of, uh, powerful and also like the middlemen in history like we have no great war like and like in 99 it was like yeah we haven't done anything in a while or like i don't know like or like our you know you think about your grandparents and like what they went through and what potentially parents went through and you know, like growing up and being like a millennial in 99 you're like well i haven't done anything <laughs> so you're like you're right i have no place no purpose uh at the time uh but sorry my very uh first favorite scene to get back on track uh was uh the um illusion of safety so like just the whole plane scene for me uh of just like what they're talking about and like how he first introduces and meets tyler uh and just talking about like 
you know what oxygen does? <laughs> Gets you high. Like, <laughs> look at these faces. Calm as Hindu cows. Like, that whole, <laughs> yeah, like, I love that. And just that whole like little scene. It just it's set up for like this uh, relationship for, with them together, where you instantly liked him. You instantly liked um, just like. Or yeah, you instantly liked him, and so did Edward Norton's character, the narrator. Uh, and it just kind of led us to like down that path where, wait, so now he wants him to fight him? Like, where is this all gonna end up? And it's just interesting that it all started from that just seemingly kind of innocent moment with his little quick one-liners that just seemed like so much fun. So yeah, that's it. Every time I fly on a plane, that's like one of the things I had always remembered from this movie was were like the, you know, what to do. In case of emergency, yeah. but I like how later in the movie and they replace all like the, the cards with the the panic. panic. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's like oxygen makes you euphoric. Yeah. <laughs> um. So my final scene. Um. Again, this was in no particular order, but I also just loved the the first meet of Marla, um, in Edward Norton's character. Again, I just think this is such a great scene. Everything is shot really, really well. Um, they're so quick on each other's lines. Um, and again, just the banter and the dialogue in that and like seeing, yeah, I just like the whole negotiation portion of that just makes it for me and seeing them, um, work through that and talk through it. And I just, I think it's super funny. And, um, and even, even then you get to see Edward Norton's character trying to be a little bit manipulative where, uh, where Marla calls him out when they're in the, um, when they're in the uh, the laundromat where she's like, well, you have six and I have three or whatever it is, or you have four and I have two. And he's like, and, and basically you just can see him like trying to play all the angles, which I thought was really interesting. So that's probably, yeah, my favorite scene. All right. Am I the last one? Or who's, no? Jamie's last. All right. Yeah. Okay. Not that that matters, <laughs> but um, I had just like the reveal of like, that he is Tyler Durden and just like it's kind of leading up to that like him backtracking going through like all like the flight the the tickets and like tracing the steps and like them like you know recognizing like who he is and like you were just here last week and he's just like I don't remember this but everywhere I've been it seemed all these places seem so familiar but I've never been here before but I just like that reveal that's kind of like that that twist moment in the film yeah, I think uh, I think James mentioned it earlier when talking about that whole twist reveal ending. It's because he's trying to figure out everything going on as us as the audience yeah. is also trying to wrap our heads around right. all of this and try to connect the dots like, wait, but how, but what, oh. And so it, it's just really interesting that he's going through it scrambling as we're also doing that same thing. Entertaining. Nice. <laughs> Very good. Very good. <laughs> Very good. Scene good. <laughs> <laughs> so for my number one, um, and it kind of plays off of yours, Chad, and everyone who's mentioned the twist reveal. So this um, and has probably since been answered on Reddit, or I'm just in my head. I'm going to air a conspiracy theory here about this film. So when this came out, I had no way to validate or verify this, like online chat rooms and it's just not what Reddit is today. So that scene where he figures out he's Tyler Durden, he passes out on the bed, wakes up, and the narrator says something like, and this is the changeover, where something happens and the audience doesn't notice a a thing. That actor who gets up out of the bed is not Edward Norton. I'm convinced. It's Edward Norton. It is not. It is. Look at his face. He has a fatter face. Edward Norton has a skinny face. And it zooms in on him, and it's not Edward Norton. I think it's a trick within a trick within the movie. And I'm fully willing to acknowledge it. I could be in my own head here, but I just—I I I think you are because it. I remember you. We were just talking about this, and I had just watched that scene before. Or I just pretty much watched that before I came over here. But now I was like, oh, it doesn't. I remain yeah. convinced. I think it's two different mm-hmm. actors. Well, well he's got you a might have face. a Tyler Durden problem going he's on here. He's got a fatter <laughs> face. I'm telling you. <laughs> That's it. That's your favorite scene? <laughs> no, I just I needed to say it. I needed to say it so it it was said, and I'm fully willing to acknowledge that I might be completely full of shit, but it just I just had to get said. I'm willing to sacrifice my favorite scene to air it out. <laughs> Aired. Worth it. Worth it. <laughs> All right, is that everyone? 
Cool. All right. Uh, before we close this out, I there are some questions in the in the movie that I wanted to ask everyone here, and I know you're not prepared for this. Perfect. But question number one. False. <laughs> <laughs> question number one: If you could fight any celebrity, who would you fight? <laughs> uh, I want Casey to go first because he doesn't like violence. <laughs> well, that's actually funny that you say that because I I'm not. I'm not a fighter. I don't really have, I don't want I would, to fight someone. So that's an interesting question. Yeah. I would preface this too with my answer that I'm not a fighter either. And we I'm, all are going to get our asses kicked. Right. <laughs> right. Know but that. if you were a fighter and like, say like you're good, like your job is just to kick some ass. Whose ass would you kick? Celebrity. Bieber. Bieber. So I don't like him. All right. Chris <clears throat> went first. He said Bieber. Yeah, you might you might cut this out because it might get too political, but I definitely want to punch Mitch McConnell in the face. What about Trump? He like he's an idiot, yeah, and I would it'd be fun to fight him, but I honestly think Mitch McConnell's done more to like ruin this country and the way he's the way he says the things he does and lies about the things that he lies about with that wrinkly turtle looking motherfucking face. Man, everything about him. Uh, I'm there he's with the you. Worst, answer. One, he's answer. probably the worst human being on yeah. the planet. I'm there with <laughs> no, you. It's like the feud. Good answer, good answer. <laughs> <laughs> Survey says. <laughs> <laughs> right. James or Jamie? I, I got one. It's okay. It's it's in that spirit. I give me Putin, man. Like, let's go. Oh, he's, that dude's fucking that's that's jacked, yeah, he's jacked. But he's also old. So yeah. I think if I have any chance, it's that. At least I got a few years on him. And bonus, if he kills me, just like everybody film it. Everybody film it. Let's get something good out of it. Right. We got a Russian putting an American in a chokehold. If that Fake news. <laughs> Fake news. Doctored video. <laughs> Let's mobilize. Come the on. The lion media. <laughs> Putin. Uh, if you haven't thought of one yet, I can go. No, I, I think I got one okay. now. Uh, I was just thinking, you know, let's stay with political. So Chatting Tatum, I'm thinking. Uh, <laughs> How? What? I'm thinking Channing. I want to like I want to fight Channing. Uh, it's not because I, I mean, actually, yeah, I just like him as an actor. I don't think he's anything special. Uh, so I think that he's gotten there based on looks in his own little special way. I'm not saying that that's not how Pitt got there, but also I think Pitt has earned his way to a certain extent. And just Channing is just there. I am convinced he could kick my ass. I'm not worried about that. Uh, I just think that as an actor, he's the one I would want to punch in the face. All right. Uh, For me, for celebrity, I'm thinking about a YouTube personality here. And uh, I wouldn't want to fight PewDiePie. That's a good one. Is this like a baby shark thing? Wait, Uh, you want to fight him because you don't like him? Yeah. If Baby Shark were like more Swedish and racist. Yeah. Oh, isn't that. If I was a fighter and could kick some ass, I would want to fuck PewDiePie up. (laughs) He's kind of a lanky dude. I think he'd have a shot. I picked an old guy as well, so I I went with the easy Bob and Weave. Bob and Weave. Yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, One more here for you. Another. Who's Chris fighting? Oh, yeah. Bieber. Oh, Bieber, that's right. Bieber, yeah. He, that was quick. That was, yeah, you were very quick. Today. All right, one more. There's a lot of people I don't like. That was just the first to like, percolate. Is it because he has the same tattoos as you? <laughs> Again, here, yeah. I, put, I put in my notes, I said, preface this with, I'm not a fighter. I don't know how to fight. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you could fight any historical figure, who would you fight? In the movie, they said, was it Gandhi yeah. and Abraham Lincoln? Abraham Lincoln? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I mean, the the obvious answer is Hitler. I don't go with that. But, I mean, clearly, I would feel no remorse fighting and beating down someone of that nature. But I think that's the obvious one. I'm going to think of a different one. Okay. Did they say Jesus in the movie? Would Jesus, like, turn your own blood into wine and you die of alcohol poisoning? <laughs> I've seen a web, uh, like a web comic of that where Jesus turns <laughs> someone's blood to wine and the guy just dies and he goes, oh, sorry. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, side note: Have you ever seen Jesus Christ Vampire Hunter? <laughs> no, but I've seen some <laughs> clips from it. I have not uh, either. His his sidekick is uh, a guy wearing like a luchador. <laughs> he says somebody's like, "I'm Santos, the saint." <laughs> Do you need to Google something? I, that's I. I googled it right now to say I just typed in fight a historical figure. The first thing that comes up. 
is a picture of Tyler Durden saying, if you could fight any historical figures. <laughs> <laughs> historical figures. I don't know. Who's the guy that made the uh, atom bomb? He seems like a douche. Oh, is it uh, Fermin? Einstein? Wasn't he part of the Manhattan Project? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, okay. I don't like that idea. Don't blame the, the, the scientists. scientists blame that, the people. Like, fi- I can't remember. Was it Fermin? Wait, somebody was working Fermi. on that. Fermi. Fermi. We talked Fer- about the Fermi paradox. Weren't we talking about that? We were just hanging out. No, I love the... Never mind. I've talked about that with people at work. The Fermi paradox, the same dude who worked on the Manhattan mm-hmm. Project also had a, a paradox about the origins of nature and how why if we aren't alone in the universe, then where is everyone else? And it's like this paradox of why that is that we haven't encountered life yet. Super interesting for another oh. podcast. My challenge with that is that's something that's, you had brought this up on a previous on the contact podcast when we we're talking about like yeah. well how, if there's life out there well haven't we just how come how come we haven't discovered it? But the universe is so old. Like, what's the possibilities? Like, if there's already been a, a, another life intelligence being out there that's gone through like their whole entire like life cycle, like has been here, gone, and like is extinct already like ran their course it's like we're about ready to run our course on this planet like it'd be like somebody like a million years from now and be like whoop there's no life in the in the universe because that's we haven't we haven't seen or heard of it yet then like the voyager space probe crashes on their planet and spreads disease and kills off that entire race of people too there's actually a whole train of thought around that and, yeah and there's like theories on why civilizations haven't gotten to us and one of the theories is all life is violent and eventually gets to a place where they destroy themselves. Right, becomes extinguished yeah. before you give so a chance. So that's why like, they haven't. We haven't found anyone because yeah. they've already destroyed themselves before they've yeah. even gotten to Plus it. Plus, the universe is so vast and expanse yep. that you can't. It's just impossible to travel like that distance. But if they're but so much older than us, they could have maybe figured the technology. Right. But it's out. almost like the universe is so so big and expanse that it's and always like expanding. That's why there's like multiple dimensions. Like you're so far apart, you'll never like contact one another it's like you're in a different dimension well and you think about it too our galaxy is actually traveling right the universe is expanding right. so we're getting further away from right. things so even if we tried to travel we'd have to take that into account too yeah is butter a carb <laughs> uh i also didn't i think i just read that like who knows when they find new garbage on mars all the time but i think i just read that they were like hey we just found elephant tusks on mars what <laughs> what i swear to god i read that i think that <laughs> was an onion article oh we need to have a conversation james all right and that concludes this episode yeah. of movie time machine if you have any questions comments or concerns about how this episode ended please send us a message you can find us on twitter at movie machine pod that's at movie machine pod or just google movie time machine thank you and good night